Hello and welcome, Mehaba Verhosh Geldenes. Welcome to Talking Round North Cyprus, our uh, podcast all about, well, as you guessed it, the Turkish Republic of North Cyprus. Uh, I'm Sarah Palmer. Just in case you didn't know, I have a holiday apartment uh, in Eskele. And that's all because of my good friend, uh, Roger Barra. I went to visit him and his lovely wife, Chrissy one time. And I'm sure it was after a glass of wine. I ended up putting down a deposit and I've got an apartment. They live the dream. They've been there for 10 years now, happily retired. Rog, you'd think, you know, political instability, a prime minister lasting only 45 days, the ruling party unable to organise the proverbial piss up in a brewery, former prime minister flying in to save the day. You'd be forgiven for thinking we'd be talking about a third world country. But no, welcome to Britain. How's it looking in the TRNC? It's looking like everybody's talking about what's happening 3,000 kilometres away because, you know, it's unprecedented what's happening in the UK. And everyone around here is just going around with wide open mouths and just saying, what the hell, you know? And it's not very nice because the UK is now a laughing stock, basically. And it's very embarrassing mm. if you're a born and bred British person to, to see Fabulous. the low level yeah. to which politics has sunk. Yeah, people are talking about it there. There's plenty not happening over here. And <laughs> I think that's the reason that most people are thinking, well, let, let's uh, let's watch the BBC News or the ITV News uh, and see what's happening back in the UK. And it's like you're just putting your your hand across your forehead and saying, I just don't believe this is happening. This is like a really poorly written novel, you know, that's outrageous in context and, and content. And it's real life. Absolutely I frightening. I know, I know. Um, I, was, I was talking to somebody yesterday and they were saying, yeah, you know, I think Boris is going to come back. He's going to lead the party. And I was like, I was like looking at my bank account thinking, when can I re- when can I get to North Cyprus? When can I leave the UK and come to North Cyprus? It's one of those things you just feel like jumping ship. Well, you know, the poor Russian people are leaving in their droves to avoid conscription. People are leaving Britain to avoid Boris. I mean, it, you just could not make this up. Oh, and no. it's... Uh, I know. Who knows how it's all going to end? I know. Well, we'll probably just meet in the middle. Let's just meet in North Cyprus with a glass of wine and pretend it's not happening. <laughs> but anyway, uh, that's where we are with um, Britain. As I say, you know, by the time we've um, finished this podcast, who knows what will happen? Some, somebody <laughs> else somebody else might have resigned or or whatever. Anyway, so um, it's looking quite sunny there where you are. I mean, is it is it nice now? Let's talk about the weather. Let's talk about something we can all agree on. Yes, we can't do anything about it, but we can agree on it that october is it's a lot of people's favorite month of the year simply because the uh temperatures have cooled down from the oppressiveness of the summer even though it wasn't silly hot this year here in north cyprus it's around 25 26 degrees now with a light breeze which is absolutely spiffing weather whether you like the sun or not it's you know it's just not uncomfortable and we've had our first torrential downpours in the past seven to ten days uh, which has been great so with these downpours the countryside surrounding us has lost that brownness that dustiness that that dryness that, that doesn't look great does it and it's already there are there are wafts of green now coming out and they're most people really really like this time of year for that reason alone the mountains are getting clearer and of course, the gardens, those of us are lucky enough to have gardens, well, they're just lapping up the rain. And as always here, Sarah, you know, it rains torrentially for two hours 
and then the sun comes out and it's just brilliant and we've been begging for rain and when it rains here and when it's overcast there's no complaining because we desperately need it and uh, we know sooner or later usually sooner the sun will be back out and that's why so many of us are here of course <laughs> indeed yes actually having said that um, there is blue sky and a fluffy white clouds out of this window, but uh, you can bet your bottom dollar in about half an hour. It'll be pouring with rain or something. So uh, <laughs> it's, it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. Um, so what other sort of news? I, I read something about um, burial spaces running out. What what's What's that about? The actual headline, just that burial spaces running out in Cyprus today, today's edition. Um, and that's Saturday, October the 22nd. It's in Gurney that it's referring to and basically there's a foreign residence cemetery subcommittee and they've issued their annual report and it, it says and I'm, I'm simplifying things here uh, burial sites for foreign citizens in Gurney are running out because of a substantial increase in funerals you know sadly people are dying I know it's people are always dying but um, the numbers mean there's less and less space uh, for new graves. Now, there's calls for a place called Green Hill Cemetery, which is being described as a relic from the British colonial era to be open to all foreigners. And interestingly, for a crematorium to be built, which of course there aren't any, and mm. it's not it's not something um, that would ever have happened before over here. The other thing, Sarah, interestingly, the municipalities are being urged to take greater responsibility for funerals and burials of foreign nationals living here in the TRNC. And what that means is that elderly expats should not have to be solely responsible for burying elderly or form, former elderly expats. And sadly, it works the other way around as well. Young students shouldn't be responsible for burying young students. It needs an altogether more coordinated approach and basically more help for the expats, but I suppose it is a bit concerning that space is running out in Gurney. I'm not sure what it's like in other regions. Uh, here in Iskeli, where, where I live close by, um, there is graveyard for expats of all nationalities, by the way, not just British. As we heard um, the lovely uh, Jan tell us a few weeks ago on this podcast, it still needs some work doing on it, but I think there's four to five expats now buried there uh, and there's plenty more room. Excellent. I remember one of our guests we were talking to, James Clark, he was from Cyprus Active but he has become a celebrant and he now does funerals and he was saying wasn't he that it was um, difficult to get plots and actually just seen that he's posted, he posted this in September that the construction of a first ever crematorium in Cyprus gets the green light, albeit I think it might be in the south. So whether that's, you know, helpful in any way, I mean, I don't know whether that would uh, work for the north as well, but uh, it's an interesting topic, isn't it? A lot of people would, would, would think about because it's so expensive to sort of be repatriated in effect, isn't it, to come back to the UK if people even actually wanted to do that. I find it extraordinary that anyone instructs that their remains are, you know, let's spend 30, 35,000 sterling on getting my remains back to where I live. I mean, you're dead. What does it matter where your remains? I suppose there is an argument to say, well, the family would like to visit the grave 
Uh, but I've given strict instructions that when I'm gone, everybody has the biggest party they've ever had and just leave me wherever I am, you know. Uh, maybe cover maybe cover me up, you know. And, but <laughs> with the flies getting there, getting it being a nuisance. But that's the thing, isn't it? You could we could have a memorial bench for you or something like that, couldn't we? So, uh, over yeah. uh, down at Caesar Beach and we can all we can all sit down there and have a glass in your honour or something yeah. like that. Anyway. Why not? Why not? Why not? Right. Let's not get uh, let's not get too bogged down in being in being morbid. Something I saw a headline: millions of dollars from illegal gambling seized. And this is from today, twenty second of October. Forty million dollars, part of the proceeds of an illegal betting operation in North Cyprus, have been seized. Uh, Turkish Minister of the Interior, Suleiman Soylu, said yesterday it took place in Cyprus. And I don't know if people remember that the Kyrenia ca- casino boss, Halil Falayi, and his chauffeur, they were murdered in a street mm. shooting in uh, Kachatkoi in February. Well, apparently he is said to be linked to the money laundering and the illegal gambling operations. So um, $40 million in the coffers of the TRNC. That'll do nicely. Thank you very much. Interesting to know where that goes. <laughs> I, I was going to say, I wonder where that's going. Let's hope it's not into anybody's back pocket, but it's used yeah, uh, to do good. things that desperately need doing, like, you know, repairing the roads, uh, helping the local people out while the TL is over 20 to sterling to oh, one pound it? sterling. Oh, um, you know, everything's going up and yeah. um, let's hope it's put to really good use. Yeah. Because what's inflation uh, like at the moment over with you? Well, you won't believe this. It's around 120% here oh. in the TRNC. That makes it one of the highest inflation rates in the world, not in Europe, not in the Mediterranean area, in the entire globe. It's one of the highest. And, uh, you know, news that diesel has shot up 2TL. Uh, petrol is now over one pound sterling a litre. Now, I know you guys in the UK will say, <laughs> is that all? But you remember how little it was not so long ago. The trouble is, once fuel goes up and keeps going up, everything else gets more expensive. And the local people, are most of them are already desperately struggling just to stay afloat mm. so that that is not particularly uh, good news and of course you know they buy petrol in dollars uh, the tl rate against the dollar has plummeted in in the last couple of years you've got the war in ukraine uh, and its impact on the energy market so i don't think there's much the government here can do about it other than maybe use a bit of the $40 million to subsidise fuel costs. But yeah, uh, yeah. again, that's going to run out pretty soon. So, <laughs> Oh, it's not looking good, is it? Oh, dear. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm just about to book to come over for Christmas and New Year as well. So, um, but, uh, as I said, but as you say, actually, if I've got pounds in my pocket, it's okay. It's, it's the, the people that are earning in, in Turkish lira and, and doing business in Turkish lira that makes it so hard, isn't it? So, uh, it is. Yeah, yeah. 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 That's difficult. Anyway, um, let's get on to a cheerier subject. Let's get on to our special guest for this episode. And, Rog, <laughs> looks like we're featuring the island of Jersey uh, once again. There certainly seems to be a contingent of former Jersey residents in the TRNC. And is Paul someone you knew from Jersey? No, Paul Wells, I, I didn't know. I knew of him uh, because he had a pretty high high profile job there. But we spoke to another 
former Jersey resident, in fact, a Jersey bean, someone who was born and bred in Jersey, and that was Martin. He was the uh, ex-Jersey Post manager, and he explained to us just a few weeks ago about uh, why he had to retire away from Jersey. He found the TRNC. Now, he's mates with Paul Wells, but they did not know each other when they were living in an island nine oh, by five. No. They actually they actually met over here in the TRNC <laughs> and they're now really good buddies. But um, yeah, so Paul Wells was living and working in Jersey, although he wasn't born there. Uh, and I suggested to him when I caught up with him that he's he's a man that, that loves islands. Uh, 25 years in Jersey. Went there for a job offer, thought I was going to do a couple of years and like lots of people ended up staying for 25. <laughs> and what was it you did? Um, I was a, a chef. I went there to be the executive chef at uh, a hotel, Lorazon Hotel. Ended up doing that for six years and then um, ending up finishing my career as the catering manager for the um, States of Jersey. <laughs> well, well, we'll come to that in a minute, but you were at the Lorazon Hotel, very highly rated hotel in Jersey. Just how much pressure is there on a chef uh, in that kind of environment? Uh, there's a lot of pressure because um, obviously having three or four restaurants outside catering for a couple of hundred, um, food critics, three AA rosettes, and, uh, a rating in the Michelin Guide, there's a lot of pressure, every day is pressure. And maintaining staff is probably one of the biggest issues that you've got. Tell us something about the pressure. How does that manifest itself? Um, well, you know, on a bad day, there can be some um, <laughs> unpleasant, <laughs> unpleasant language and uh, some throwing of pans and that kind of thing. But no, there's not too much of that. But um, yeah, there, there's pressure every day because everybody's expectations are different. Some people are coming for a wedding or uh, for a wedding anniversary or just a, a high class gourmet meal. And, you know, they're paying the money they expect to get the food. Where did your love for cooking come from? Uh, I come from a family, quite a large family, there's there seven of us, so I was the eldest, so I was um, doing a lot of cooking, and it was just something that I, I loved from an early age, and uh, I was at college doing my A-levels, and I didn't really know what I was going to do after that, and the only thing I was any good at really was cooking, so I kind of fell into it. <laughs> what about when you were at the Lorizon, what about prestige dishes? I mean, what, what were the dishes would you say were your top ones or do you have a favourite? Oh, um, probably the most well received in the fine dining restaurant was a lobster ravioli with pan fried scallops. Um, lobster curry, uh, green curry was very popular as well. Foie gras terrine, although it's uh, not so popular now, was, was, was very popular back in the day. So, um, so you're the top man at one of Jersey's top hotels and then mm. you, go and wait, you go and work for the government. What, what was the thinking behind that? Hours. <laughs> um, I went from probably doing 80 hours a week to doing 40. And I knew that I was going to be working Monday to Friday. And it also gave me a, a chance to develop my own outside coaching company, which I did. Um, and I could plan things. I could plan my life. So that's why I did it. We, um, it was extraordinary that Jersey's General Hospital, Jersey's only hospital, lunches there became attracted people from all round the capital, but it got such a high reputation. Was that down to you? Uh, yeah, obviously I, I, I was tasked with looking at the whole food concept, which was for patients and um, also the dining experience for customers and visitors to the hospital. So 
Yeah, that was down to me. And on the back of that, I ended up going up to Government House and cooking at Government House and then ended up cooking for royalty. I mean, how bizarre is that? Oh, tell me about cooking for royalty. Give us an example. Um, well, you have to submit your menu or your proposed dishes to Buckingham Palace and then someone at Buckingham Palace, obviously not, not the Queen herself, <laughs> but they have a look at it and um, they say, no, you can't have this, you can't have that. You know, we don't want garlic in it because they don't, they don't want to be breathing over. Yeah. people um, and there's a few little foibles that people don't like this and they don't like that and once it's approved then then, you, then you're cooking uh, you've got all protection officers I mean having a look at what you're what you're doing and um, what to make sure you're not putting stuff in the yeah I suppose so I suppose it's quite, quite easily well you talk about the pressure of being the head chef at Lorison Hotel tell us what it felt like your first time you cooked for royalty well, I cooked for the royalty in the past in other operate in, in other big hotels, um, but I suppose cooking for 18, 20 people, which you know is uh, includes uh, members of the royal family, yeah, that, that that's that's pressure, that's that's stress, different sort of stress, I think. Finally, you retired. What? Tell us about the move to North Cyprus. Well, had a, we've had a holiday home here for 13 years, and. Um, didn't really want to retire in Jersey purely because it's such an expensive island to live if you're not earning uh, money. And I wanted to travel. I've always liked travelling. It's just a beautiful island. So um, nine months of the year you're living outside. Golf, paddle boarding, snooker. I mean, it's just fabulous. And what made you live where you're living, which is just west of Lapta? Um, I came over. I drove... Well, say all around the island up to Famagusta and Essentepi and I, uh, I just fell in love with the mountains and, and Karsiaka and uh, for me it's a, a lovely place to live. And what's your advice to someone in your position who is thinking of moving out here? What would you say to them based on your experiences? I'd say come, come over, um, spend some time here, perhaps rent a property and just... just get a feel for the island and the people and um, see if it's for you. Now, you live in an area where there is plenty of highly regarded restaurants. What's it like for you, bearing in mind your profession, uh, when you go into a restaurant and sit down for a meal? I mean, are you hypercritical? Tell us about that. No, I'm not hypercritical at all. I, I mean, I think what very often happens is if you haven't got huge expectations and you go somewhere and you're not paying vast sums of money, you're very pleasantly surprised at the standard of the cuisine here. Mm -hmm. I think it's, it's generally very, very good. Do you have a feel popping in the kitchen and saying, uh, why don't you try this? No, no, I'm quite happy to be uh, a customer and, and uh, appreciate other people cooking. I think it's one of the nicest things you can do for someone is, is, is to cook for them. What about at home? Who does the cooking at home? Uh, it's 50-50 split, I think. Um, but, but again, you know, I don't want to eat gourmet food all the time. Nice, simple dishes, well cooked. I'm quite happy with that. Yeah. Uh, what about... Your lifestyle living, you've touched on it, living here in TRNC. Um, how does it compare to, uh, you know, living in Jersey, for instance? Well, I think for me, it's, it's the, the weather and being able to spend so much time outside, going down to the sea, jumping on a paddleboard. Most days, you sort of guarantee that you've got good weather. I don't find it cold, even when it's cold in the winter. It's still 
nowhere near as cold as a bleak day in Jersey. So uh, for me, it's the outside life. It's fabulous. And what about the future for you? Um, do you see yourself going anywhere else? No, I'm quite happy uh, <laughs> to, to spend my time in, in North Cyprus. I love it. Well, that was former chef Paul Wells in conversation with me earlier this week. And uh, if I was in his shoes, when I went out to restaurants, and I know Paul um, and his good lady and all his friends out there, uh, Alison Shackway, um, they go regularly eating out. But I would be constantly surveying the food if I had his level of expertise. But I like the way he says, hey, you know, I don't want a gourmet meal every night. You know, yeah. I've done all that. Yeah. yeah. Good for, good for him. I, I must have met him. I must have met him because the Lorizon Hotel in Jersey is beautiful, right on St. Brellard's Bay there. And I had my 50th birthday there back in 2014. So I'm not sure when he came out, but whoever it was did a fantastic spread for my birthday. And we uh, organised um, when we had Strictly Jersey as well. That was at the Lorizon where we um, had people from Jersey, sort of well-known people in Jersey doing the equivalent of Strictly Strictly Come Dancing for BBC Children in Need. So um, I'm pretty sure I must have bumped into him at some time. But isn't that funny that, as you say, you're on an island of by nine by five and then come to North Cyprus and you're like, oh yeah, I know some from jersey it's a small world isn't it <laughs> well i can tell you we've met another eight people four couples all of whom have had connections to jersey either lived there came from there or have heard of each other from there and uh, it, it is quite extraordinary and and because we go over there quite often now to meet up with these relatively new friends of ours we've decided to rent a place over Lapterside. it's about a four hour round journey from um west of Lapta to to Iskeli. So uh, we're renting a little place. Oh, brilliant. Um, so we, we don't have to book into a hotel for three or four nights. We can just stay there as long as we like, you know, until they're fed up with us and send us back to Iskeli. <laughs> when you've run out of people to interview, they're like, oh, no, here comes Roger. Here comes Roger with his microphone. <laughs> don't tell him he's from Jersey. Don't tell him. <laughs> brilliant. Oh, well, but it was lovely. Thank you very much indeed, Paul, for uh, chatting to us. And of course, you know, if you listening now, um, you've got a story about why you're in North Cyprus or, you know, somebody that does have a story about why they're there or what they love about it. Or if you do something unusual um, or if you're involved in charities or whatever it might be please do get in touch with us we'd love to hear you and hear from you and uh, if you want to get in touch then please do we're on uh, facebook and twitter just look for talking round north cyprus and you can always email us as well that's trnc.podcast at gmail.com i'm sarah palmer and i'm roger barra thanks for listening and we'll talk to you again very very soon we hope